Hello everybody, once again welcome to my channel. Brian Elon Musk, how the billionaire CEO of SpaceX and Tesla is shaping our future by Ashley Wins. Episode 6, Part 1, Mice in Space. Elon Musk turned 30 in June 2001 and the birthday hit him hard. I'm no longer a child prodigy, he told Justin, only half joking. That same month, X.com officially changed its name to PayPal providing a harsh reminder that the company has been ripped away from Elon and given to someone else to run. The start of life, which Musk described as akin to the eating class and starting into the abyss, had gotten old and so had Silicon Valley. It felt like Musk was living inside a trade show where everyone worked in the technology industry and talked all the time about funding IPOs and chasing big paydays. People liked to brag about the crazy hours they worked, and Justin would just laugh knowing Musk had lived a more extreme version of the Silicon Valley lifestyle than they could imagine. I had friends who complained that their husband came home at 7 or 8, she said. Elon would come home at 11 and work some more. People did not always get the sacrifice he made in order to be where he was. The idea of escaping this incredibly lucrative rat race started to grow more and more appealing. Musk's entire life had been about chasing a bigger stage, and Polar also seems more like a stepping stone than a final destination. The couple decided to move south and begin their family and the next chapter of their lives in Los Angeles. There is an element to him that likes the lifestyle and the excitement and color of the place like LA, said Justin. Elon likes to be where the action is. A small group of Musk friends who felt similarly had also decamped to Los Angeles for what would be while a couple of years. It was just Los Angeles glitch and grandeur that attracted Musk. It was also the call of space. After being pushed out of PayPal, Musk had started to revisit his childhood fantasies around the rocket ships and space travel and to think that he might have a greater calling than creating internet services. The changes in his attitude and thinking soon became obvious to his friends, including a group of PayPal executives who had gathered in Las Vegas one weekend to celebrate the company's success. We were all hanging out in the cabin at the, hotel, at the Hard Rock Cafe. And Elon is there reading some obscure Soviet rocket manual that was all modelly and looked like it had been bought on eBay, said Kevin Hirsch, an only PayPal investor. He was studying it and talking openly about space travel and changing the world. Monks had picked Los Angeles with intent, it giving access to space or at least the space industry. Southern California mined industry since 1920s. When the Lockheed Aircraft Company set up shop in Hollywood, Howard Hughes, the U.S. Air Force, NASA, Boeing, and Merit, other people and organizations have performed much of their manufacturing and cutting-edge experimentations in and around Los Angeles. Today, the city remains a major hub for the military's aeronautics work and commercial activity. While Musk did not know exactly what he wanted to do in space, he realized that 
just by just by being in Los Angeles, he would be surrounded by the world tops aeronautic thinkers. They could help him refine any ideas, and there would be a planetary of plenty of recruits to join his next venture. Moth's first interaction with the aeronautic community were with an electric electric uh, electric collections of space enthusiasts, members of a non-profit group called the Mars Society, dedicated to exploring and settling the Red Planet. The Mars Society planned to hold a fundraiser in May 2001. The $500 per plate event was to take place at the house of one of the well-off Mars Society members. An invitation to the associate directors had been mailed out. What stunned Robert Jervin, the head of the group, was the reply from someone named Elon Musk, whom no one could remember. Inviting, he gave us a check for $5,000, Jervin said. That made everyone take notice. Jervin began researching Musk, determined he was rich, and invited him for a coffee ahead of the dinner. I wanted to make sure he knew the project we had underway, Jervin said. He proceeded to regain months with tales, with tales of the research center of society had built in the Arctic to mimic the tough conditions of Mars and the experimentation they had been running across something called the Transfer Life Mission, in which there will be a spinning capsule orbiting Earth that was piloted by a tree of mice. It will spin to give them one-third gravity the same you would have on Mars, and they will live there and reproduce Jervin to Mars. <laughs> when it was time for dinner, Jervin placed Mars at the VIP table next to himself. The directors and space buff James Cameron and Carol Stoker, a planetary scientist from NASA with a deep interest in Mars. Elon was so youthful looking, and at that time, he looked like the little boy, Stoker said. Cameron was chatting them up right away to invest in his next movie, and Jervin was trying to get him to make a big donation to the Mars Society in return for being hunted for cash. Marx brought about for ideas and contacts. Stoker's husband was an aerospace engineer at NASA, working on a concept for an airplane that would glide over Mars looking for water. Marx loved that. He was much more intense than someone who for the other millionaires, Jervin said. He did not know a lot about space, but he had a scientific mind. He wanted to know exactly what was being planned in regards to Mars and what the scientific will be, significant will be. Mars took to the Mars Society right away and joined its board of directors. He donated another $100,000 to fund a research stations in the desert as well. Mark's friends, Mark's friends were not entirely sure what to make of his mental state. <clears throat> he, did he did lose a tremendous amount of weight, fighting off malaria and looked almost skeletal. With little prompting, Mark will start expounding of his desire to do something meaningful with his life, something lasting. His next move had to be either in solar or in space, he said. The logical thing to happen Next is solar, but I can't figure out how to make any money out of it," said George Jackery, the investor and close friends of Marx. 
recording a large day at the time. Then he started talking about space that I, I bought to invent. And I thought he meant office space like a real estate play. Monster actually started thinking bigger than the Mars Society rather than send a few mice into Earth's orbit. Marx wanted to send them to Mars. Some very rough calculation done at that time suggested that the journey would cost $15 million. He asked if I thought that was crazy. Jack said, I asked, do the mice come back? Because if we don't yet, most people will think that's crazy. It is turned out. As it turned out, the mice were not only meant to go to Mars and come back, but were also meant to pro procreate along the way during a journey that will take months. Jeff Segal, Jeff Segal, another one of the Mars friends who made Fortune at eBay, pointed out that Pony said mice will need to have a lot of cheese and bought Mars a giant wheel of library, a type of gravy. Mars did not mind becoming a bird of cheese juice. The more he thought about space, the more important his exploration seems to him. He felt as if the public had lost some of his ambitions and hope for the future. The average person might see space exploration as a waste of time and effort and rip him for thinking about the subject. But Marx thought about intraplanetary travel in every honest way. He wanted to inspire the masses and reinvigorate their passions for science, conquest, and the forms of technology. His fears that mankind had lost much of its will to push the boundaries and were re reinforced one day when Marx went to NASA website. He did expect to find a detailed plan for exploring Mars and instead found Buckingham. At first, I thought, geez, maybe I'm just looking in the wrong place. Marx once told Weird, why was there's, there's no plan, no schedule, there was nothing, it seems crazy, but Marx believed that there, the very idea of America was intertwined with humanity's desire to explore. He found it sad, he found it sad that the Americans agency are tasked with doing articles things and space and exploring new frontiers as its mission seems to have no serious interest in investigating Mars at all. The spirit of many the spirit the spirit of manifest destiny had been deflated or maybe even come to depression and and hardly anyone seems to care. Like so many cries to re revitalize American souls and brings hope at all of mankind. Mark journey began at a hotel conference room. By this time, Marx had built up this network of content in space industry and he bought the best of them together a series of saloons, sometimes at the Reassertions Hotel at Los Angeles Airport and sometimes at the Sharon Hotel in Polo Auto. Marx had no formal business plan for these people. The debate. He mostly wanted them to help him develop the mice to Mars idea or at least come up with something comparable. Marx hoped to hit on a grand gesture of man for human mankind. Sometimes 
of event that will cause captured world's attention to get people thinking about Mars again and have them reflect on man's potential. The scientists and luminaries at the meetings were to figure out a spectacle that would be technically feasible at a price of tech of approximately $20 million. Marx re re resigned from his positions as a director of the Mars Society and announced his own organization, Life to Mars Foundations. The collections of talent attending this session in 2001 was impressive. Scientists showed up from NASA, Jet Propulsion, Jet Propulsion Laboratory, or JPL James Cameron Napier, landing some celebrity to add to the affair. Also attending with Michael Griffin, whose academic credentials were spectacular and included degrees in aerospace engineering, electrical engineering, civil engineering, and applied physics. Griffin had worked for the CIA's venture capital arm called the InQtel at NASA and at JPL and was just in the process of leaving Orbital Science Corporations, a maker of satellite and spacecraft, where he had been chief technical officer and the general manager of the Space System Group. It could be argued that no one on the planet knew more about the realities of getting things into space than Griffin, and he was working for Marx as space thinker-in-chief. Four years later, in 2005, Griffin took over as head of NASA. The experts were thrilled to have another Vichmar appear who was willing to fund something interesting in space. They happily debated the merits and feasibility of sending up Rodians and watching them home. But as the discussion went on and Conseil started to build around pursuing a different project, something called Mars Oasis under the Spain. Mars would buy a rocket and use it to shoot what amounted to be a robotic greenhouse to Mars. A group of researchers had already been working on a space ready growth chamber for plants. The idea was to modify their structure so that it could open up briefly and stuck in some of the Martin regolite or soil, then use it to grow a plant which will in turn produce the first oxygen on Mars. Much to Mark's liking, this new plant seems both ostentatious and feasible. Marx wanted the structure to have a window and a way to send a video feedback to Earth so that people could watch the plant grow. The group also talked about sending out kids to students around the country who will grow their own plants simultaneously and take notice. For example, that the Martin, Martina plant could grow twice as high as its outbound counterpart. In the same amount of time, the, this concept had been floating around in various forms for a while. Say Dave Breden, a space industry veteran who attended the meetings, it would be AS, just life on Mars, and we put it there. The hope was that it might turn, out on a, turn on a light for thousands of kids, that this place is not a hostile. Then they might start thinking maybe we should go there. Mark's enthusiasm for the idea started to inspire the group, many of whom had gone cynical about anything noble happening in space again. It's very smart, very driven guy with a huge ego, Britain said. At one point, someone mentioned that he might become Times Magazine Man of the Year, and you could see him light up. He has this belief that he is the guy who can change the world.
The main thing traveling the space expert was in Mark's budget. Following the salons, it seems like Mark wanted to spend somewhere between $20 million and $30 million on the stunt. And everyone knew that the cost of a rocket launch alone would eat up the money and then some. In my mind, we needed $200 million to do it right, Britain said. But people were reluctant to bring too much reality into the situation too early and just get the whole idea clear. Then there were the imminent engineering challenges that would need solving. To have a big window on these things was a real thermal problem. Britain said, you could not keep the container warm enough to keep anything alive. A scooping modern soil into the structure seems not only hard to do physically but also like a flat out patch idea since the regolite will be toxic. For a while, the scientists debated growing the plant in a nutrient-rich gel instead, but that felt like cheating and like it might undermine the whole point of the endeavor. Even the optimistic moments were awash in unknowns. One scientist found some very resilient mustard seeds and thought they could possibly survive the treated version of the Martin soil. Martina soil. There was a pretty big downside in the plant did not survive. Britain said, you have this that garden on Mars that ends up giving off the opposite of the intended effect. Marx never flinched. He turned some of the volunteer thinkers into the consultants and put them to work on the plant machine's design. He also plotted a trip to Russia to find out exactly how much launch would cost. Marx intended to buy a refurbished intercontinental ballistic missile or ICBM from the Russians and used that as his launch vehicle. For help with this, Monks reached out to Jim Cantrell, an, an associate fellow who had done a mix of classified and unclassified work for the United States and other governments, among other claims to fame. Cantrell had been accused for espionage and placed under house arrest in 1976 by the Russians after the satellite deal went area. After a couple of weeks, A.I. Gori made some calls and it got worked out. Cantrell said, I did not want anything to do with the Russians again, ever. Musk had other idea. Cantrell was driving his comfortable on a hot July evening in Utah. When a call came in, this guy is a funny name as in said, I really need to talk to you. I am I am a billionaire. I am going to start a space program. And Cantrell could not hear Mark's well. He thought his name was Ian Max and said he would call back once he got home. The two men did not exactly trust each other at the outside. Max refused to give Cantrell his cell phone number and made the call from his fax machine. Cantrell found Max both interviewing and all too eager. He asked if there was an airport near me and if I could meet the next day, Cantrell said. My red flag started going off, fearing one of his enemies who was trying to ostracize and elaborate status. Cantrell told Monks to meet him at the Salt Lake City Airport, where he would rent a conference room near the Delta Lounge. 
I wanted him to meet him behind the security so he could not pack a gun, Kanto said. When the meeting finally took place, Mugs and Kanto hit it off. Mugs rolled out his human sneak to become multi-planetary species speech, speech and Kanto said that the Mugs was really serious. He did be willing to go to Russia again and help buy a rocket. In late October 2001, Mox Cantrell and Adorashi Mox, friend from college, boarded a commercial flight to Moscow, where he had been playing the role of Mox plotting and trying to ascertain whether his best friend had started to lose his mind. Competitions, videos of rockets exploding were made, and interventions were held with Mox's friends trying to talk him out of wasting his money while the dismatch measure fails, Edo went along to Russia to try to contain Mox as best as could. Edo could call me to the side of and say, what Elon is doing is insane. A philanthropic gesture, that's crazy, Kanto said. He was uh, seriously worried about, seriously, seriously worried. What was down was the trip, down with the trip. And why not? The men were heading to Russia at the height of its prevailing post-Soviet days when rich guys could apparently buy space missile on the open market. Team Mux will grow to include Mike Griffin and meet with the Russians three times over a period of four months. The group set up a few meetings with the companies like MPO Lovinskin, which had made Crops intended for Mars and Venice for the Russian Federal Space Agency, Cosmos, Cosmotors, a commercial rocket launcher. The appointment all seems to go the same way. Following Russian doctrine, the Russians who often skip breakfast will ask to meet around 11 a.m. as their office for an heavy lunch. Then there will be a small talk for an hour or more as meeting attendees over the spread of sandwiches, sausage, and of course, vodka. At some point, during this very poorly fantasy, he's looking around and wondering, and we and we were going to get down on fucking businesses. And the answer was not soon. After lunch came a lengthy smoking and a coffee drinking period. Once all of the tables were cleared, the Russians in charge will turn to Marx and ask. What is you are interested in buying? The big window may not have bothered Mox as much if the Russians had taken him more seriously. Uh, they looked at us like we were not credible people, Cantor said. One of their chief designers picked on me and Elon because he thought we were full of shit. The most intense meeting occurred in an ornate, neglected revolutionary building near downtown Moscow. The vodka shot started to space to America while Mox had sat on for $20 million, which he hoped would be enough to buy three ICBMs that could be retooled to go to space. Burst from the vodka, Mox asked point blank how much a missile would cost the replies $8 million each. Mox counted offering $8 million or two. They said they are look they said they're and uh, there and looked at him. Candle said and Candle said and said something like Young boy, no, 
they also intimated that he did not have the money. At this point, Marx and decided that the Russians were either not serious about doing businesses or determine a part at all millionaire from as much of his money as possible. He stormed out of stormed out of the meeting. The team Marx moved could not have been worse. It was near the end of February 2002, and they went outside to hail a cab and drove straight to the airport surrounded by snow and track of the Moscow winter. Inside the cab, no one talked. Monks had come to Russia filled with optimism about putting a great show for mankind and was now living. Exasperated and disappointed by human nature, the Russians were the only ones with the rockets that could possibly fit within the Monk's budget. It was a long trip, Cantor said. We sat there in silence looking at the Russians in prisons, shopping in the snow. The somber mood ling lingered all the way onto the plane until the dream caught correct. You all, you always, always feel particularly good when the rules be lift off in the Moscow. Kinda say it's like my God, I made it. So Griffin and I got drinks and cleaned our glasses. Mark sat in a row in the front of them, trying to, trying up, typing up, typing on his computer. We are thinking fucking nerd. What can we doing now? At that which, at which point Mark's world around and flashed a spreadsheet he did created. Hey guys, he said, I think we can build this rocket ourselves. Griffin and Kandra had down a couple of drinks. By this time, he were too deflated and entertained at a fantasy. They knew all too well than stories of gone home millionaires who thought they could conquer space only to lose their fortunes. Just the year before, Andrew Bell, a real estate and finance witch in Texas, folded his aerospace company and after having poured millions into space, they signed. We are thinking, yeah, you and whose fucking army, Candle said. But Elon says, I'm serious. I have this pressure. Must pass this laptop over Griffin and Candle, and they were dumbfounded. The document detailed. The cost of the materials needed to build, assemble, and launch a rocket. According to Mark's celebration, he could undercut existing launch companies by building a modest-sized rocket that could cater to a part of the market that specialized in carrying smaller satellites and research payloads to space. The spreadsheet also leaked cut the hypothetical performance characteristics of the rocket in a fairly impressive detail. I, I said. Elon, where did you get this candlestick? Monks had spent months studying the aerospace industry and the physics behind it. From Cantrell and others, he did be borrowed rocket propulsion elements, fundamental of aerodynamics and aero and aerothermodynamics of gas turbine and rocket propulsion, along with several more seminal texts. Monks had reverted to his childhood state as devourer of information and had emerged from this meditative process with realization that rockets could and 
should be made such much cheaper than than what the Russians were offering. Forget this uh, forget the mice, forget the plants with its own video, feeding growing or possibly dying on Mars. Most will inspire people to think about exploring space again by becoming a cheaper or explorer, explorer space as what traveled around space community about monks, plants. They were a collective ho-hum. People like Jervin and seen this show many times before. There was staring of Zelenia that got soul of good story by engineer. Jervin said, combine my brain and your money and we can build a rocket ship that will be profitable and often and open up the space frontier. The techies actually ended up spending the rich guy's money for two years and then the rich guy gets bored and shuts the things down with the alarm. Everyone gave a sigh and said, Oh, he could have spent $10 million to send up the mines, but instead he will spend hundreds of millions and probably feel like all others had prostituted him. While well aware of the risks tied to starting a rocket company, Monks had pleased. One reason to think he might succeed where other had failed. That reason's name was Tom Miller. Miller grew up the son of a lover in the tiny Idaho town of the St. Mary's, where he developed a reputation as an old boy, while the rest of the kids were outside exploring the woods in winter. Miller stayed warm in the library reading books or watching Star Trek at his house. He also tinkered, walking to grade school one day. Miller discovered Hashmas Rock in the alley and turned it into a pet project. Each day, he fixed some part of the clock and gave a spring until he started working. A similar things happened with the family's lawnmower, which Miller resembled one afternoon on the front lawn of her farm. My dad came home and was on so mad because he thought he did have to have to buy a new mower. Miller said, but I put it back together and it ran. Miller then got stuck on rockets. He started buying mail order kits, uh, following the instruction to build small rockets rather quickly. Miller graduated to constructing his own devices. At the age of 12, he crafted a mock-up space shuttle that could be attached to a rocket, signed up into the year, and then glide back to the ground. For a science project, a couple of years later, Miller borrowed his dad's oxytocin welding equipment to make a rocket engine for the time. Miller cooled the device by placing it upside down in a coffee can full, full of water. <sighs> it could run it like that all day long and invented a very creative ways to measure its performances. Machine was good enough to Mueller to win a couple of religious science fair competitions and ended up an international event. That was where I promptly got my ass kicked, Mueller said. Tall, lanky, and with a rectangular face, Mueller is an 
easygoing short who needed immediately to college for a bit uh, teaching his friends how to make smoke bombs and then eventually settled down and did well a mechanical engineering in Sudan. Fresh out of college, he worked for the Hooks bureaucrat on satellites. It wasn't rockets, but it was close. And then went to the TRW Space and Electronics. And it was the later half in the 1980s a Ronald Reagan Star Wars program and had the space gearheads dreaming about planetic weapons and all sorts of mayhem. At TRW, Miller experimented his crazy types of propellants and oversaw the de development of the company's TR-106 engine and China machine fueled by the liquid oxygen and hydrogen as the horribly major thumb out in, with a couple hundred amateur rocketry proofs in the reaction. Research Society, a group of formed in 1943 to encourage the building and firing of rockets. On the, on, on the weekends, Miller traveled out of the Mojave Desert with the other RSS managers to push the limits of energy machines. Miller was one of the club's standouts, able to build things that actually worked and could experiment with some of the more radical concepts that were quashed by his conservative bosses and TRW. His growing achievement was an eight pound engine that could produce 13,000 pounds of thrust and owned uh, accolades as the world's largest uh, liquid fuel rocket engine built by an amateur. I still keep rockets. Uh, I, I still keep the rockets hanging in my garage. Miller said. In January 2002, Miller was hanging out in the workshop of the John Gravin, who had left a job at the aerospace company McDonnell Douglas to starting building its own rockets. Gravy facility was in uh, Houston Beach where he rented an industrial space about the size of a six-car garage. The two men were twiddling around with the 80-pound engine when the gravy man mentioned that a guy named Elon Musk might be stopping by. The major rocketry science is tight, and it was Cantrell who recommended that Musk check out Gravy's workshop and see Mueller's design. On a Sunday, Musk arrived with Brandon Justin wearing a stylish black leather crunch Code and looking like a hybrid assassin. Miller had the eight pound engine on his shoulder and was trying to bolt it to a support structure when Mox began peeping and began peppering with him with questions. He asked me how much trust he had. Miller said he wanted to know if I had ever worked on anything bigger. I told him that yeah, I did work on 650. 650,000 pounds thrust engine at TRW and knew every part of it. Miller set the engine down and tried to keep up with the Mark's reintegration. How much old that big engine costs? Mark said. Mark asked. Miller told him TRW built it for $12 million. <clears throat> Mark thought back, yeah. But how much could you really do for? Miller ended up chatting with monks for hours. <laughs> Next weekend, Mueller invented, invited monks to his house to continue the discussion. Monks knew he had found someone who really knew the INS and outs, ins and outs 
of making rockets. After that, Morse introduced Mueller to that rest of his round table of space experts and their salty meetings. The caliber of the people impressed Mueller, who had turned down past jobs, offers the bells and other budgeting space mangas because of their borderline, borderline insane ideas. Marks, by contrast, seems to know um, what he was doing, reading uh, up the nastiest, nastiest meeting by meetings and from a crew of knights, a crew of bright, talented engineers. Miller had helped Marx fill out that spreadsheet around the performance and cost matrix of a new low-cost rocket, and along with the rest of the team Marx, and subsequently refined the idea. The Marx could not carry truck-sized satellites like some of the monster rockets flown by Boeing, Lockheed, and Russians, and, all, and other countries. Instead, Marx rocket could be aimed at the lower end of the satellite market, and it could end up as ideal for an emerging class of smaller payloads that capitalize on the massive events that had taken place in recent years in computing and electronics technology that rockets or carter directly through a theory in the space industry that whole new market might open for both commercial and research payloads if a company could drastically lower the price per launch and perform launches on regular schedule. Marx released that the idea of being at the force under the forefront of this trend and the development, the workhorse of a new era in space. Of course, um, all of this was theoretical, and when then suddenly it was not. PayPal had gone public in February with its shares shooting up 55%, and Marx knew that eBay wanted to buy the company as well. While Nordling on the rocket idea, Musk's net worth had increased more than 10 of millions of to the hundreds of millions. In April 2001, 2002, Musk fully abandoned the public city stunt idea and stunt committed to building a commercial space venture. He pulled aside Central Griffin, Miller, and Chris Thompson, an aerospace engineer at Boeing, and told the group, I want to do this company. If you buy this R-in, let's do it. Griffin wanted to join but ended up declining when Marx re revoked his request to leaves on leaves on the East Coast and Kendrill only stuck around for a few months after his this meeting seems seeing the venture is as a story scheme. This is the part one of of episode six. See you on episode 2, part 6.